Well, if you have your Bibles, however you get your Bible, whether that's uh, electronically or if you get it uh, the old-fashioned way with pen and paper or ink and paper, go ahead and get that out. You're not going to have to turn very far. We're going to be right at the very beginning of the Bible, Genesis chapter 1. And so I invite you to turn there. Um, and uh, if you don't have a Bible, there's a one in the pew in front of you, right in that little slot. Go ahead and grab that, and um, you can take that home with you. That's our gift to you. We want you to have a Bible. We want you to continue reading it. We want you to ask questions and come and challenge your pastor and find out what all he knows or how little he knows. We saw that last week, didn't we, with uh, question and answer time. Uh, wasn't that fun? Uh, how many of you were here last week and you did question and answer time? We had a great time. Just We had open dialogue, um, had a program so people could ask questions. One thing that I loved about finding out through that whole experience was how hungry our congregation is for dialogue. Around theological issues, around issues of the church, around social issues, and all those kinds of things. I thought that was wonderful. So we are definitely going to do some more of those. We probably won't take a Sunday morning time to do it. Uh, but I thought, you know what? I normally do a devotional during the Super Bowl halftime. I thought that'd be a good place to start. So if you're interested, if your question didn't get answered or those kinds of things, come to the Super Bowl and during halftime, Pastor Jeff's going to just answer some more questions, okay? Uh, now, I'm not going to open it up for new questions because there were so many questions I didn't get to. I'd like to try and strike a few more off the list, okay? So come, bring food, have fun, and we're just going to enjoy that time uh, together. But today, we're in Genesis chapter 1. So, hear the word of the Lord this morning from Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning, when God began creating the heavens and the earth, the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light. Really, just light be. And there was light. God saw that the light was good and He separated the light from the darkness. He called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. And God said, Let there be a vault between the waters to separate the waters above and the waters below. So God made the vault and separated the water under the vault from the water above it. And it was so. God called the vault sky, and there was evening, and there was morning the second day. And God said, Let... The water under the sky be gathered to one place and let dry ground appear. And it was so. God called the dry ground land and, and the gathered waters he called seas. And God saw that it was good. Then he said, let the land produce vegetation, seed bearing plants and trees on the land that bear fruit with seed in it according to their various kinds. And it was so. The land produced vegetation, plants bearing seed according to their kinds, and trees bearing fruit with seed in, according to, in accordance to their kind. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning the third day. we still got four to go. Are you with me? All right. And God said, Let there be lights in the vault of the sky to separate the night, the day from the night. And let them serve as signs to mark sacred times and days and years. And let them be lights to the vault of the sky to give light on the earth. And it was so. 
God made two great lights, the greater light to govern the day and the lesser uh, light to govern the night. He also made the stars. God set them in the vault of the sky to give light on the earth, to govern the day and the night and to separate light from darkness. And God saw that it was good and there was evening and there was morning the fourth day. And God said, let the waters teem with living creatures and let birds fly above the earth across the vault of the sky. So God created the great creatures of the sea and every living thing with which the water teems that moves about it according to their kinds and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. God blessed them and said, be fruitful and increase in number and fill the water in the seas and let the birds increase on the earth. And there was evening and there was morning the fifth day. And God said, let the land produce living creatures according to their kinds, the livestock, the creatures that move along the ground and the wild animals, each according to its kind. And it was so God made the wild animals according to their kind, the livestock according to their kind and the creatures that move along the ground according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, let us make humankind in our image. In our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish of the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind, human beings, in His own image. In the image of God, God created them. Male and female, God created them. God blessed them and said to them, it's the only commandment human beings have never had a problem fulfilling. Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds in the sky and all the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has the breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And the vegetarians say, yay. And it was so. God saw that he, that he had made, saw all that He had made, and it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning, the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work He had been doing. So on the seventh day, He rested from all His work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it He rested from all the work of creating that He had done. This is the account of the heavens and the earth. Literally, that is, this is the account of the generations of the heavens and earth when they were created. When the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. I know that's a lengthy passage. I promise we won't be preaching so lengthy. Uh, But it's a beautiful story. Very ancient. Let's pray and ask God to bless our time together. God... Take this ancient story, make it come alive for us. May we learn about you and about us and what you call us to. For we pray all these things in your name. Amen. So I want us to look and... Oh, I've got to turn this on first. All right. So I want us to begin at the very beginning. A very fine place to start, Julie Andrews tells me in The Sound of Music. And and I think this is very important because if we begin in the wrong place, it leads us on a wrong trajectory. 
And so the very beginning is a beautiful thing. And I think that we need to look at this original blessing that God gives out. And first and foremost, we need to understand that God is a God who is about a cosmic mission. This isn't just a small little thing, although it incorporates all the small little things. But God's scale is the grand scale. God's scale is the cosmic scale. God is involved in all of the cosmos no matter what. And this is exciting for us. We have to begin here. But I want us to prepare for something just a little bit. And this is going to help us tie everything together for our place in the story. And I want you to to think about this Hebrew word, all right? It is the word tzelem, all right? Now, the T, you kind of just mix in with the Z, okay? So it's tzelem, or, or you can just say zelem if you'd like, if, if the T gets in the way. But let's say it all together. Ready? One, two, three. Tzelem. Very good, all right? Now, let's say it one more time. Ready? One, two, three. Tzelem, all right? And one last time, so it's in your subconscious and you dream about it tonight. Ready? One, two, three. Tzelem. Now, this is... This simply means the image. It's already up there. But I want to talk with you a little bit more about what a tzelem is. Okay? In, in the Middle East, in the Near East of, in the ancient Near East, you would see zelems in cities. And what these zelems would signify or what they would show is who it was that either, a couple of things, conquered the area, alright? They would come in and the, 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 the emperor and his armies would take over an area and he wasn't going to live in this little town or village. He's going back to his palace or his castle and whatever his capital city is. So he would have his image put in the city so that people would know that's the person who's in charge. That's the one who is there. Now, this can also be in beneficial terms, okay? This can also mean he's the one who's providing the food, or he's the one that's providing the protection, or he's the one that's providing the sustenance that we need. He's the one that's keeping the enemies at bay. So this is also something that is good. So you would see these zealums. We have one here with, uh, Jul- this is uh, Julius Caesar. I just grabbed that because it looked like a good one. And, and they would put these all over the place so that you would know that it was Caesar who was either in charge or was providing the things that you needed for life. That is our Hebrew word, which is the word what? Zalem. Keep that in mind. Just tuck that in the back of your head as we kind of go through this. Because this passage is particularly bogged down with a lot of things. And I want us to know that this passage primarily deals with theology, not Science. Can I get an amen? Now, we try and, and push these two together. And this was a great question last week, and we did talk about it. I love that our church, uh, the stand that, that we took, and I'll tell you about it here in just a second. But this passage is primarily dealing with theology, not about science. Now, you'd think that we would know this because biblical scholars would say that the word yom, there's another Hebrew word. Somebody was asking last week if we were going to do more Hebrew and Greek words. Uh, here's, your, here's, here's your yes. Yom, that's the word that is often translated day, but technically it just means a period of time, not a day. You know, so there was morning, there was evening, the first period of time, the first yom. Genesis 2-4, I already alluded to this a little bit, uh, fulduth, 
And what that means is generations. We see that at the end. This is the generations of when the earth, when the, when all things were created. So we don't know about that. Sun and moon were not even created till the fourth day. So there are some hints at this that, that maybe this has something deeper than just how everything began. Okay? And I love our stance in a church. And it is that the who is more important than the how. Who started everything is more important than how everything came to be. It's a beautiful, it is a beautiful song. You know that that passage that I just read to you, it's a song, right? It has, it has a cadence. Everything goes through and it ends like this. Every little paragraph, every verse ends with the chorus that says, And there was morning and there was evening. The first day or the second day or the third day. It's a beautiful song. But really what this this song is pointing to is who began everything, not how everything began. And our church, the Church of the Nazarene, the group we're connected with, this was our stance. We said we're not you can you can believe in the twenty four hour day, seven days, everything was created, or six days, everything was created, you can be a Nazarene, that's fine. But you can also be more open to what science is showing us in creation and all these types of things. I tend to fall into that camp and I tend to love because every time they show us a new picture from the Hubble spacecraft about how vast the universe is, I just think my God has just become even more vast and more cosmic. And what a beautiful thing that is. We don't have to be afraid. But it is telling us uh, that God did it, that we don't need to argue about that. In fact, to argue about it is really to kind of miss the point that who started it all is the foundation. We believe that God did it. The story is telling us who created more than how it was created. So then, what does it say about God? I think that's an important question. I think that is probably the most important question when it comes to this passage. What does it say about God? What it says is that God works with what is there. That's interesting. Didn't you know it says when God began creating the heavens and the earth, the earth was what? Formless and void. I think that's the old the old language. Formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. The waters and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. So it tells us that God works with what is there. That should be good news. Hold on to that. We're going we're to come back to that in just a moment. God is willing to work creatively with whatever is there. God hovers over the chaos like a mother hen over chicks. This is beautiful. This beautiful imagery of a God who hovers over the chaos. And he just wants to bring those things under the protection, this creativity, this, this beautifulness. God hovers over the chaos. And then, and this is where we're going to spend a, a little bit of time. God begins to open up space so that life can flourish. Let's go through these pretty quickly. So, life needs light and dark. We know this now, right? It needs a period of light. It needs that, that uh, sustenance. Whatever life we're talking about, there needs to be some type of light that gets things going. But it also needs times of rest. It needs times to let go of some of that energy and, and stuff like that. It needs to, to recoup and go. And so we have that in day one. God says, light be. And God separates light from dark. And there's morning and evening now. We begin to see this pattern. And we see this is 
good. This is what life, what life needs to survive. Day two, he creates a space between the waters. That if it's just all water, that, that we're, there's just something about that, that there needs to be more. Sure, God could have just probably filled it up with fish and, and we would be the planet of the whales. I don't know. Uh, but there, there could be more. And God's always looking for more life. And so God says, let there be space between the waters. And God creates this. So we have the waters above and the waters below. And we've got day two. Then He opens up space in that water below and dry land comes up. And He, he has land here on this side and, and seas over there. And so we begin to see that possibility for more life is coming as God opens up the space for this more life. It's interesting. I I found this in reading this. Isn't it interesting, uh, reading it in the Hebrew, that the earth produces the life. God creates the space and then the earth begins to bring forth fruit and vegetation. And it's almost like you can see God like, I've I've done all these things. I've, I've created space for life. Now look at life going. Isn't this awesome? Things begin to grow and trees and all. All this begins to come forth and God begins to see that. What a beautiful thing. And then God sets in motion time, tides, weather. These are needed for life. Oh, it's all captured in sun and moon and stars and so they can keep track of time and begin to look at that. But if you think about that, those types of things also bring with it tides and seasons and uh, allow people to navigate on the waters below that they call uh, uh, the seas. And all of these things begin to come forth. We see this. These are also things that are needed for life. For more life to happen, we've got to have this in place. And God creates something that in which life can flourish. And then we begin to see that God fills the seas and the skies with life and he tells them make more make more he not only just creates all these things in the sea he gives them creativity as well he begins to say fill it up make more there's room for life here let life happen let it fill all of the space that i have created for this life to flourish both birds of the sky and sea and fish in the sea, in the sea just fill it up and keep going and keep going and then god lets the earth bring forth creatures again it's it's interesting again this is in the language now of course god brought them forth and all those kinds of things but in the actual hebrew it shows that these that these begin to spring up and god named them i mean you can almost see it's like a child at christmas whoa look at that that thing's got a crazy trunk elephant you know, all these, I mean, just these things just begin to, and he puts them in their groupings and lets them go. He's just excited to see, I've created this life space and now life is coming forth. And he tells them, fill it up, fill it up, fill it up. Just continue to create. He gives those animals the same, the same directive. Fill up the space with life because that is who God is. Now God comes down to the part that will We'll spend. Are you ready? What was our word again? Tell him. All right. You're with me. He says, let us make Adam Bitzelemnu. All right. Adam Bitzelemnu. Adam. Now, we always like to talk about Adam and Eve, right? But Adam is the word for humanity. Uh, we'll find out next week. Okay, come back next week. We'll find out that the word for soil is Adumah. Okay, Aduma, Adam comes from Aduma. We are made from the soil, from the earth. So he says, let us make humans in our image. 
Now, we could pause here and have a beautiful conversation about the Trinity in the Old Testament, but we're going to glaze over that, all right? Uh, we talked enough about the Trinity last week, uh, but we want, I want us to see really about this Zellum. So here is God, who has created all this space for life to flourish. And now he says, I want to put my Zellum right here in the midst of this life. I want my image to be there. And it's no static image. It's not a statue that reminds us of God. It is dynamic because our God is dynamic. Our God is one who is alive and moving and breathing and in all the things that that He has brought forth. We are to show in our lives then, this tells us something about us, that we are called to make our lives life space making. We are to show in our lives, as we live our lives, as you live together in a way, in your homes, in your jobs, in your work, with the earth, whatever it is, when we begin to do this, we show this life space making God out into the world. That should be exciting for us. And it also means that we are to rule in the way God rules. We love to read that passage where God says, take dominion. Rule over the birds of the air and the fish of the sea and all the things, you know, and all these kinds of things. And we kind of, for some reason, and we'll talk about that in chapter 3, we tend to think it's about this. I can dominate it. I can do whatever I want with it. I can rule over it. But no, we are to be the zealum of this dynamic, life, space, creating God. So when we are in line with the way God created human beings to be, we live in harmony with that. We steward it. We take care of it. We begin to move in ways that help create space for all this life to flourish, including human life. But we work in this together. This is the God that we see in Genesis 1. And this is how human beings begin to partner with that God. We start with original blessing. God looks at everything and says, this is good. We have to start there, folks. We will get to chapter 3, don't worry. But right now we have to start with when God looks at human beings. He sees the original blessing that He starts. We start in the right place with blessing. We are called to a great task in this life. To be life space makers. You are called for that. I am called for that. We are called for that together. We must know this at the beginning. I love what my friend, uh, Dr. Brad Kelly, he and I uh, traveled on a quartet together in, in Treveca and he went on to be an Old Testament scholar. He says, like the statue that represents an ancient Near East king, Humanity's calling is to be the representative of the Creator's character and actions to image the divine King within creation. As the human race lives together in right relation of mutual blessing with each other and with the world, all creation will see the presence and the character of the divine King who has brought life out of chaos. I don't know about you, that just blows my mind. That this is what we are are invited into. This is what human life is to be about in the world. Now, that leads us to ask a few questions for ourselves today. 
maybe you want to say, ask yourself the question, does your life create space for life to flourish? I, I want you to take just a moment and, and spend some time just in silence and find out in your home, are you actively a person who is creating space for life to flourish in your home? And now, I mean, you can take that. I mean, our instant thing is to, is to think about the relationships within that home, the, the human relationships. Is there life flourishing in those relationships? But you can take it. You can take that as far as you want to. How many of you have plants in your home? Are you creating space? How many of you have, have pets that wag their tails and, and do all manner of evil in your home? Are you creating life that's in there? And yes, with the human beings. What about with your family? What about what you say? Does, does what you say create space for life to take place? What about in your church? Do the things you say in church or about your church or about those things, is it creating life, space for life to happen? Or is it creating closure and walls and things that, that wall people off from one another? You see how a very ancient, a very ancient poem like this has life applications today. What about at your work? What about what you give? Do you give towards things that, that create life? Whether that's here for the church, or whether that's things like benevolence, the things that we're working on there, what about the things you give? Does it sustain and create life both for you and those around you? Those are some powerful things to think. Do you need, and here's, here's the thing, think about your own need right now. Do you need God to create space for life in you? You know that's, that's why we meet, Right? Because we believe in a God who can look at a human being's life and whatever it is filled up with that begins to cloud what God purposes for creation. God, through Jesus Christ, can come in and create space for His life to fill you. That's, that's part of the mission of a church. But maybe you're thinking right now, what is the chaos that's in your life? What is filling you up? Does it feel like chaos? Can you take any encouragement from a God who then is hovering over the chaos and is just about now ready to divide and create some space for His life to begin to flourish in your life? Are you willing to let God do something like that for you in your life? God will wait for you to say, yes, come. Create that space I need our little kids would say, Jesus in my heart. I need that life to come into me. This is important. I want you to know that C3 Naz is one of the spaces, one of those created life spaces. This place is here today because we want you to experience, no matter who you are, whether this is your first time to come or whether you've been here for a long time, we want a place where you can come and hear about the God who wants to create a space in you so that life, and Jesus would say life to the full, everlasting life, can come into your life. And you can begin to be the Selim of God. You can begin to be one who goes out and creates life spaces in God's name, 
in your world, in your homes, in your schools, in your work, and yes, in all the earth and what is created. Will you say yes to the God who is hovering right now over your chaos? And will you allow this God to create space in your life so that his life can transform all? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we started our time of prayer by saying that you show us exactly what it means when we say God. And I can't help but think of all the gospel stories where you came to people that were filled with chaos, filled with what we would call sin. And you hovered around them. Whether a woman at the well or someone caught in a sin, you were always there to hover and to create space for your life to flourish. For life to flourish in that person. So I am confident that when I read a passage like Genesis 1, I am seeing the God whose view is cosmic and longs to create life in all of us. Help us, O God, to hear Your voice, to not let the chaos rule us, but to know that You hover there and You are about to do a great thing. Help us to say yes and allow You to create the space that is necessary for life to flourish. We believe that You do that through Jesus, through the strength of Your Holy Spirit. So come into us. Create that space for us as individuals and for us as a church. And help us to be those who point to You, the God who creates space for life. just wonder if there are anyone, any folks here with your heads bowed and your eyes closed. And by raising your hand, you would want to say, Pastor Jeff... There's some chaos that I just needed the encouragement to know God is hovering over it right now. Would you raise your hands just all over? Yeah. Some chaos. I just needed the good news that God's hovering over it right now. Good. Now, those of you who have raised your hands, if you would like God to come in right now and create just some space for life to begin to flourish in you, Would you raise your hands or keep them raised? I need the God who hovers over the waters, over the chaos, to come in, create space right now, and I'm willing to say yes for Jesus to do that. You raise your hand right where you are, right where you are. Good, good. Lord God, I thank You. I thank You that for those who have been honest today, They have received encouragement that you hover over the chaos. I pray that they will experience right now in this moment you coming in and creating a space for life. Fill them with your Spirit. May they know and call upon the name of Jesus. 
And may they leave this place looking for where life will begin to spring up this week and even this day. For we pray all of these things in the name of the Father who is for us, in the name of the Son who is with us, and in the name of the Spirit who is in us, the One who creates life and life to the full. Amen. Amen.